Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. We just recorded something, but Dee Dee said it was our worst start ever, so we're starting again. Go, come up with some better shit then. All right. <laughs> that was not a real laugh. It was. That was like a, you know, well, I don't an have an evil a... queen laugh. Yeah, I don't have a fake laugh because I either think your shit's funny or I don't. Okay. I think you're really good though. All right, Do you, you start. Quick. Yeah. Oh, now the pressure's on to be funny. Um, Elise, who's first? Me? You? I just said you start. Oh, right. <laughs> God, um, Elise sent us a message a little while back on Facebook and she brought to my attention a kodokushi. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Or what is known as a lonely death. Yes, we're going to Japan. Say people. it again. Kodokushi. Wow. No, nah, it's offensive. No, no, no. The first word was good. I felt like the first word, yeah, first is agreeing. First word was good, then it got immediately offensive. Well, it's a phenomenon of people dying alone and remaining undiscovered for a long period of time. It is also known as kodetsushi. You're saying it different every time. Dokiyoshi. No. I don't know why I'm saying it, though, because they're always a bit cross with the sword in their hands. So that's the way I'm trying to say it. Right. Uh, kushi has become an <laughs> increasing <laughs> problem in Japan. <laughs> I wish people could see Didi's face <laughs> in the build-up to saying it because she prepares her entire body to say the word. Uh, my dad used to work in Japan a lot, okay, so he worked for um, Canon. Oh, don't, yeah, okay. And had to go to Japan a lot on business when that I was That doesn't little. mean that you know how to speak Japanese. No, it doesn't, but I grew up with a very, um, very bad attitude towards Japan because oh. my dad was over there all the time when oh, I was little. And he was Japan over there. was taking your dad. Thank you. Mm, no one ever okay. understood it. My yeah, eighth yeah, okay. birthday, he was over there. And oh. then when he came back, one of the men he had done business with over there, who was a grown man, and I was a young girl. I was only sure. like 10 or 11 or something. And this grown man used to send me presents. There was a little book on origami. Uh, that's the only thing I can remember. What did he used your parents to write say about letters. this? Well, Dad would give me the things. I don't know. Well, it that's was... some Neverland shit. I must ask them, actually. I'm seeing them in a couple of well, days. the parents just thought it was okay. Yeah. Can we talk, well, he was well, in we another country. Michael Jackson. I feel like people have really divided views on that. How can you be your head like, do not oh, talk about Michael Speaking Jackson. of weirdos on Twitter, like, I get mad. We weren't, but we were before we were recording. We were talking about madness on Twitter. Um, yeah, the Michael Jackson people, they come out of the woodwork on Twitter. Yeah, they will attack you. Mm. They will take you down. I've had to, yeah. So this problem in Japan is growing and growing because of their increasing elderly population. So more than a quarter of the people in Japan are over 65. And by the year 2050, they're saying that it'll be around about 40% of the population will be over 65. So they're they're getting much older. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, the actual statistics are quite hard to find because the government doesn't collect them, but there's a thing called the NLI Research Institute, which is a think tank in, in Tokyo. It estimates that about 30,000 people nationwide die each year in what's called or kodokushi. There's a moving company in Osaka that's reported 20% of its business is removing belongings of people who had died these lonely deaths. But so, I thought hmm? I thought elderly Japanese people were well cared for by uh-huh. their family. Uh-huh. Okay. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you were right at okay. one time. Um, the first time this phenomenon became to everyone's attention was back in the year 2000. There was a, the corpse of a 69-year-old man was Yum. found three years after his death in uh, Tokigawotara. You don't have to do an accent for that. His rent and gas. I know I don't have to. but Tokyo. Some people like them. Just say Tokyo. 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 His rent and his – so he must have had money left in his account and his rent and his gas and his power bills have been coming out of his account, uh, bank account automatically. It was only when the money ran out that they found his skeleton at the home and mm. his body had been eaten by maggots and beetles. Ooh. One of the worst places in Japan for the lonely deaths is Tokiwadaira, which is where that first man's body was found. It's this huge housing complex. So it's a big complex of 4,800 apartments, was built in the 1960s by the Japanese government for what they called at the time the young salary men. So these were the, the young workers who were rebuilding Japan's economy after the Second World War. Okay. And these big housing complexes were called danchi. Um, and they, when they were established, that broke what you referred to just then, the Japanese tradition of lots of generations living together in the one house right. and caring for each other. When they moved into these apartments and the men were being tasked with working hard and rebuilding the economy, they then moved to that sort of Western style of family with just, okay. you know, the nuclear family, which was quite different for them. Um there has been an economic slump in Japan since 1990. So a lot of these businessmen who were living in these apartments have been forced into early retirement. A lot of them worked so hard because it's a matter of great pride in Japan to work very, very hard sure. and incredibly long hours. So a lot of them um, never married, just never had time to socialize and meet someone. And they really only had their working life, so they had no social life, so they have no friends. Nothing outside of their colleagues. So you're left with and someone. And once your work's done. Exactly. Apartment, no job, no wife, no friends, nothing. Got you. No, no family living with you. At one stage in the Danshi, there was a summer heat, wi- heat wave and a woman smelled something in the apartment below. At first Ooh. she thought that somebody had gotten a delivery of dried fish called kusaya. And the stench intensified, especially on the balcony where she hung her laundry. And you don't oh. want your small smelling of dried fish, do you? If it is that. Uh, none of the dead man's neighbours knew him, though he'd lived there for years. It turned out to be a body, of course. He was 67, young. They're so young. A second man's body was found two days later. Again, the smell had become so intense. Because remember, it's an impa- a big apartment, so the smell's just going to go through. Um, it had kept his next-door neighbour awake for three nights. The man who had died was elderly. He'd lived there for years, and he had chatted with his neighbours, but they didn't even know his name. The inside of his apartment 
which you could just see through a small ventilation window was covered in rubbish. There were green bottle flies all around the air vent. The building management tried to contain the smell. They taped over all the crevices around the end of the door and stuff and um, even the letter flap and the locks. But Why didn't they just go inside? Well, they have to wait for one of these businesses that now – come and clean. It costs oh, right. A, so they knew he was dead. Yes. And it costs a couple of thousand yen okay. for the cleaning company to come in and clean it. And who's going to pay for that? Yeah. So right. until they know who's it's going to do that. It's always money, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. They actually say that if they, in, in, the, in the Dunchy, these big, the big complex, if they go past it and there's terrible smells coming out of it through the letterbox, like sweat and urine and stale oh. food and garbage, they take that as a good sign because that means that no one's dead inside. That's actually the smell of someone clinging to life in there. So the other things contributing to this trend of uh, kodokushi, um, you tired of it yet? Not yet? It's That's like- growing on me. Uh, is the fact that the the Japanese consider it a, a great quality to have not to not complain and to have endurance and so or the gaman they call it it's so they're just too proud to ask anyone else for help right and so when they are in trouble they don't um, yeah and because they're all all their ties were related to work they don't they're not part of the community um, masaka Ichinos. That can't be right. Itchy nose. Surely not. Itchy nose. Is that a real name? Must be. Uh, Is the head of the University of Tokyo's Institute of Death and Life Studies. You've got a problem if you've got an entire institute for it. Yeah. Uh, Has a theory that the increase in kodakushi is linked to Japan's contemporary culture, which ignores death. Several hundred years ago, the Japanese people confronted death, so they would bury their loved ones, um, but now people don't witness death, and nor do they talk about it. Hello, do they want to listen to a podcast? We hear. Can, can we tra- – Kirsten, translate us into Japanese and send it to them, please. <laughs> She's a wonder woman. She can do many things. I'm not sure her skill set extends that far, though. <laughs> well, while I was looking uh, up Japanese death, a couple of other stories bobbed up, so I'll just share them with you. Uh, there was one in the Washington Post where they followed one of the cleaning crews in Kawasaki, Japan. There was a putrid smell coming from an apartment, uh, an obvious brown stain on the futon where the body had been, and there were maggots and flies and horse racing stubs and things there. That was the apartment of a man named Hiroaki, and he'd fallen behind on his rent. A rep from the real estate agents was sent in there to see what was happening, and the rep, rep found um, Hiroaki laying dead on, on the futon. Oh. They reckon he'd been there for about four months. Uh, there were flies and maggots everywhere, and the smell, though, hadn't been bad enough to bother the other neighbours or the convenience store directly below. Imagine oh. going in there to get something fresh to eat. Yuck. Uh, the paperwork, I just thought this was sad, the paperwork showed he was 54, he was divorced, and he'd worked as a systems engineer for 20 years at big companies like Nissan and Fujitsu. So mm. a successful man, but just died at 54. We're very blessed by smells in this country. Mm. We don't really have really pong pockets. No. You know? Yeah. Like we don't – you know, you go to Bali, mm. it's wafty. Oh, yeah, Every Malaysia. now and then mm-hmm. it's wafty. Mm. Yeah, Sri Lanka, whenever I go there. Even New York it's, oh, has its wafty points. Totally. There's mm. some wafty – we don't really have wafty places here. Have you been to Werribee? 
Yeah, but you know where it'd be, you expect it there I because there is a yeah. sewage farm. Sewage farm there. My you know brother the used to parts. work at the Southeastern Purification Plant, otherwise known as the Karam Shit Farm. farm. He yeah. worked there and I used to go and visit him. It was ironically the cleanest place. Yeah. They were fastidious. They used to like paint it every two days to keep everything all shiny and clean. But he showed me this big machine that they've got where because the sewage sort of starts with like a, a big straining area and then it goes mm. and it gets sort of it goes into these pits. And in the morning I used to drive to work past it, you know, when I was doing breakfast radio. Yeah. And the waft of it at three o'clock in the but morning. But that's what I mean, horrendous. you expect it to smell like shit there. Yes. Whereas like other countries it's kind of like just ugh. Pong pockets everywhere. Well, the first stage of where all the sewage comes in and it has to be sort of sieved. Yeah. And he showed me that it's this giant thing, this sieve. The shit sieve. Yeah. And, well, everything that people flush down the toilet, it is so fascinating. So there's, like, obvious things in there, like peas and corn that end up in there. Sure. False teeth. What? Well, think about all the things that you flush down the toilet. Yeah. And they'd get other stuff like nappies and... Oh, people wash their tampons down there. Yep. What? Yep. And Why? it would all be sort of combed out in this... And it would gross. You'd just see it all there. Anyway, we digress. Um, <clears throat> this poor man, Hiroaki. Yeah, I, I just found his... You know, when you think about him and his um, his life, there were some passport photos that he'd had taken to go for jobs. And he was just an ordinary looking man with grey hair parted in the middle and mm. glasses and a check shirt and I just oh, I don't know it just really moved me seeing that um, and one other thing in Japan is the and you may have heard of this one and I hope I'm going to say it correctly Aokigahara Aokigahara forest in Japan so it's it covers three and a half thousand hectares at the base of Mount Fuji you're going to recognize this story in a minute oh. um, and it is regarded as Japan's suicide center I want to be a bit careful about how we talk about this mm-hmm. because we don't want to trigger anyone and we will again put on our social media if you are having any thoughts of suicide please get help um, in this particular Aokigahara Aokigahara Forest, so many people kill themselves there that the local authorities are running out of space to store their remains, like what you were talking about last episode about the Americans. People in the villages near the forest say that people choose the area to kill themselves because a novel that was written by Seho Matsumoto, it's called Kuroi Jukai which translates as Sea of Trees. That was written in 2012, and it's about a woman who has a love affair with a young public prosecutor. He's blackmailed by her husband, and the only escape for the lovers is a double suicide inside the Aokigahara. Am I saying it right? Forest. Um, After it was published 23 years ago, the number of suicides increased. But Mm -hmm. it goes back even further than that. There was another book in the 60s called Naminoto, which translates as the Pagoda of Waves, about a woman who killed herself in this particular forest, and that was turned into a TV series. Um, yeah, I think I'll skip over the bit. There was a, somebody wrote a manual of suicide, mm, which has no. sold 1.2 million copies. What? Yes. Yeah, maybe don't include that bit. Uh, I'll skip to the bit where 
you will recognise the story. So actually, I'll just give you a recent stat on it. 2010, more than 200 people attempted suicide in the forest. 54 of them eventually died. Um, they've stopped public, um, making public the numbers of people who die there because yeah. obviously it's attracting other people and they're trying to stop it being associated with suicide. And they've put signs up at the entry to the forest, urging people to get help if they are thinking of doing so. But in 2017, have you heard of Logan Paul? Yes. YouTuber. Um, in fact, he was one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. He had 23 million fans on YouTube, $13 million fortune. And at that stage, he had a reputation as a bit of a funny prankster. And he took a trip to Aokigahara Forest. He said he was just going on a fun little camping trip. And he and his crew came across a dead body hanging in a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, I don't know what was going through his head, but he published the video online showing the body. They'd blurred the face, but you could clearly see that it was a, a, a corpse. Yeah, on full display. And he went from being a star to one of the most hated people on the planet in just that one thing. And he took it down, he apologised, mm. but the damage was done. He was pulled from a whole bunch of different platforms or from Google Preferred, you know, where he'd been boosted. Yeah. Um, uh, and he was asked why he didn't twig at some point in filming or editing or posting it why he didn't think that that was the wrong thing to do and he said the idea was to shock and show the harsh realities of suicide and get people talking about something that I don't think people are talking about much yes exactly bullshit the idea was to get likes on the internet yeah he's tried to make a comeback but um I think his reputation is just trashed. He more recently put some videos up of himself tasering two dead rats and removing a live fish from water to perform CPR on it. So he's a dick. Um, he has donated some money to suicide prevention agencies, but he's still a dick. Yep. Um, and there you are. I'll leave you with that. They had a little bit more. But, um, well, the only thing, other thing was a, um, a hotel in Kawasaki City in Japan. They call it the Corpse Hotel because they have so many dead bodies and not enough morgues to store them in Mm. this hotel they they have turned the air conditioning up to gazillion freezing oh and they have keep the bodies in there they call it the the corpse hotel very hospitable of them Mm. very okay uh my story i need to acknowledge uh, a photographer actually called tyrone turner uh, who found, he actually found this story. So he covered Hurricane Katrina and returned to New Orleans because he was doing a story about an 18-year-old man who was shot and killed uh, as part of a report that he was looking at doing about the rise of violence in that area. Now, he went to the funeral for this young man, and while he was at the funeral, he noticed that family and friends uh, were taking photos of the man, mm. but in the form of a life-size cutout. Oh. So at the huh? funeral for the man, there's a life-size cutout of him oh. and family and friends are taking photos with the life-size cutout. Oh, that's unusual. So they were lifting up the life-size cutout mm. and posing and Tyrone said, when you take a selfie with the cutout, it kind of looks like the person's there and he was fascinated by this. Mm. 
But the cutouts, he realised, weren't just appearing at funerals. So after this, Tyrone continued to see cutouts at funerals around the city. Not of the same guy? No, of different people. Yeah. And he said he saw them during a marching parade where people dance in the street, and he saw a man dancing with a cutout of a man who'd been killed. I find that really, really spooky. So they're also used in other celebrations, such as birthdays and graduations. One woman whose son had died, uh, she would pull out the cutouts for her grandchildren to play with. No. They had two cutouts until one of them became too worn down over time and had to be thrown away. And often families will reorder and replace the cutouts choosing new photos and new poses. I hate cutouts. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. (laughs) They're a bit freaky, right? I had a boss who had a Tiger Woods one and I think it was too short. I don't think they'd like allowed enough length at the bottom or something. But there was another one that someone had back in my early days of radio of John Farnham. If you're not from Australia, great singer. But it was only like from the waist up, but they would put it in the studio. So when I came in to do breakfast radio, the studios would all be dark and every single morning it would He'd scare, scare the living shit out of so me. So I used to work I would for think the it network was that ran, uh, that had The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Yep. And so out of nowhere, this life-size cutout of The Bachelor at the time <laughs> appeared in our newsroom holding roses and no one really knew what the F to do with it. So it ended up in our recording booth. <laughs> every time you'd walk into the recording booth, there was It gets you every time. You think it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, locals there call them life sizes. And most of the time they're made of young black men. Can I say black men? What a ridiculous question. Can I say that? Is it offensive? Why would it be? I don't know. It's not. Okay, everyone say it's I not. I don't know. Oh, I always get stuck on that. I always get oh, stuck on if it's offensive. Don't worry too much um, about what's offensive. Oh, I know. Um, of young black men who died in their 20s and mostly from gun violence. Turner was so interested in this way of remembering people that he went on to find another 20 families who had ordered life sizes to remember their loved ones. Um, during his time with those families. So he went and met them and asked them about it. And he's taken all these amazing photos of these life sizes and the people who made them will put them up on our social media. Uh, He worked out that they bring a lot of comfort to families and they get to see that person every single day in their, in the height that they were in the way that they were. And they feel like they're still alive. Um, The cutouts were made by the same people. And you would have seen this. um, It's kind of like, evolved from people getting T-shirts of dead people. Yes, you see that all the time yes. in court, don't you? Yes, correct. So yeah, justice for so-and-so. Correct. It's mm. grown from those T-shirts into these life sizes. So mm. um, they still take pictures with them as if the person's never passed is what the owner of Platinum Graphics said, and he's one of the main local cutout vendors. I don't think I ever want to judge anyone who's grieving on what they do. Like, I find that bizarre, but yeah, I'm not going to look down at them because no. that everyone's going to do it differently. Totally. Yeah. So the owner of Platinum Graphics is Trenise McMillan. She says the cutouts hold a special significance, especially for close friends of the young people who have passed away. She went on to say that a lot of the community uh, that she works with don't have fathers. So when these young men die, they lose those close community members that have filled the role of others. So 
but they still want them around. Does it make it harder to accept that the person is gone if they're sort of always there? Yeah. Because if it's a, some of those cutouts are very realistic. I'm not saying that you would actually no. think it's the person, but it does. It would in your mind. It would. They're it's constantly a, it's there. like they're there. Platinum yeah. Graphics makes about ten to fifteen cutouts per week and sees spikes in production in the summertime and around Mardi Gras. Making the cutouts changed Trenice's perspective on death. She said, I haven't dealt with death like this before at all. But when I got into this business, it got really, really heavy. Uh, She says orders for cutouts are mostly placed by siblings and cousins. Um, It's often too difficult for parents. They cost about $150 each. And the quality of them depends on what kind of quality of photo you have. Well, now I'm thinking I wonder whether my family have got a good full body shot of me because well, you rarely get that. It's always head and shoulders, isn't I it? I hate a full body shot. Um, do you? I, Why? I don't know. I just do. Depends which shoes you've got on. If you've nailed the shoe. That's also true. Um People keep them on display in their lounge rooms of their homes. Um, others only bring them out on special occasions. So there are some photos of like the cutouts being stored in a, in a cupboard. Oh, see, that's even worse. That's, I know. Yeah. Oh. It's always – And then what see, do you do with it if you're sick of it? Well, you can't burn it. Is, right? You know the booklet you get at a funeral mm. that has the dead person on it? Yes. I never know what to do it. with that shit. I hate it. I never know. I know. So much so that um, – at the most, I guess, recent family passing, we didn't do them mm. because it's just awkward. Mm. Do you need a booklet telling you what part of the funeral you're up to? I just think it's a bit. Uh, uh, no, you don't. Well, yes, unless you you're do. singing. No, but I then think just you do. Give them the, just give them the song on a piece of paper. But there's always yeah the photo on the, the back of it. But how do you choose which photo? How do you? No, but just. I have so many of them. Mm. I have both my grandparents' little rosary cards, like in my wallet. Because what else am I doing with them? But then you remember, can't keep them in a drawer or throw them out. When we talked to Michael, whose sister Jess died back in episode whatever it was, yes. right at the beginning, um, I loved her one. Her picture, she just looks so cheeky with her fingers, middle with the fingers up. Birds, and, yeah, didn't she? so that was a good one to have That's on the back. That's a good one. But just other ones, I don't know what to do with, and I feel. Mm. I feel bad about them. And we'll put some photos up on our social media, but there they are. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Yeah. So in all one right. photo there's – it looks like an elderly woman and in the photo she's kind of sitting down all her grandchildren are around her, her oh. real live grandchildren. Mm. That's it. And cardboard – yeah, don't leave it out in the rain because it can get quite well, manky. you could not. You could not. But you could do a bit of texture on it. See, and there's the one of her in the cupboard. And oh. on some of them they put angel wings on them. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. You're not feeling it. Angel, oh, it just makes me sad. It is sad. It makes me sad. It does. Got some feedback? Uh, I do. I haven't checked this one out. Okay, we'll see how this one goes. I haven't pre-read it. I'll, we'll just take it as it comes. This is from Zoe who has emailed deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Have we asked people if you could click subscribe, like, Recommend us to your friends, all that stuff. It makes a big difference to us. Thank you. Thank you to all the people who've done so already. Um, Zoe says, uh, the attached are some handy little hints on how to save oneself should you ever find yourself buried alive. I I was recently having this conversation with someone about being buried alive and it wasn't you because I know you like to talk about it. Mm. There's nothing you can do. 
Well, let's see, shall we? I feel that Dee could read this and feel less terrified of the prospect hmm. of an unanticipated dirt nap. <laughs> dirt nap. Thank you, Zoe. Uh, I always love your podcast. That was in capital letters. Like it. Wet, mouthy noises and all. I feel tempted to share my dead body stories, however, and don't enjoy the sound of my own voice recorded. One oh. is also a de- oh, dead toddler, so it's a bit grim. Always shut the pool gate, parents. <gasps> Sat on a, I remember flying into Sydney once and there was a lady sitting next to me who was going to see some friends um, whose toddler had died. They'd left oh. a side door open. Kitty had got out into the pool. Yep, always shut the pool gate. Uh, the other story is run-of-the-mill visit to the university medical section complete with medical cadavers, the first one of which I set eyes on looking exactly like my best friend's grandfather who had recently passed away. Oh, I thought it was. it was him. His name is Ken. Uh, always nice things, nice things, my lovelies. Zoe's uh, kiss hug. Thank you, Zoe, for that. Thank and you. she's attached this fantastic uh, picture here, diagram of how to escape after being buried alive in a coffin. Could happen to anyone. Don't waste oxygen. In a classic coffin, there's only enough oxygen for about an hour, maybe two. Oh, it really is. What? Shake so what up, you to do? Shake up the lid with your hands. In some cheap, low-quality coffins, you'll be able to make a hole. If you've got a – oh, that's it. I'm going to be buried with a blade. Can you put a screwdriver in with me, please? This is no. the thing. We've been through this before. No one's buying the shit coffin. Everyone's buying the heavy-duty mahogany coffin. Hang on. What is this? Cross your arms over your chest, holding onto your shoulders with your hands. Pull the shirt off upward. Tie a knot above your head like so. So your shirt becomes like a bag over your head. This will prevent you from suffocating when the dirt falls on your face. Oh, kick the lid with your legs. In some cheap coffins, the lid is broken or damaged already after being buried due to the weight of the ground above it. Oh, as soon as the lid breaks, throw and move the dirt that falls through in the direction of your feet. When it takes up a lot of space, try pressing the ground to the sides of the coffin with your legs and feet. Move around a bit. Whatever you do, your main goal is to sit up. Dirt will fill up the empty space and move to your advantage. So no matter what, do not stop and try. Uh, hang on, do not stop and try breathing steadily and calmly, and then get up. The dirt in the grave is very loose, so battling your way up will be easier than it seems. Well, I never. So the aim is to sit up rather than don't kick it with your feet. Well, no, break the coffin with your feet so the dirt falls in there. That'll create a sort of a void. And then push the lid. Oh, I don't know. That's not going to work. I'm so totally not convinced by that. We'll put it on our Facebook page, but I'm not sure that that's going to work. Are there any YouTube videos about yeah. how to escape if you've been buried alive? You'll find them if they are. I'm sure of it. I'm going to look at them right now. What will I do while you're doing that? Just I don't know. Practice your technique for getting out of it. Grave, get out. If I pull of... my top up over my head, you'll see. Survive being buried alive. <laughs> it's had 2.8 million views. Now that you're good and paranoid about being mistaken for dead and buried alive, you're going to want to make sure that you have a safety coffin. Essentially, this is a coffin that will allow you to survive and escape being buried alive. The first safety coffin was built in 1790 by Duke Ferdinand of Brunswick. His safety coffin had a window and tubes sticking out to let air in, should he find himself buried alive. It also included two keys, one to get out of the coffin and one to unlock his tomb. 
Other safety coffins throughout history were made entirely out of glass so everyone could see if the person was being buried alive. Some also had a bell that the deceased could ring if it turns out they hadn't shuffled from this mortal coil. In 1897, Russian Count Michel de Carnis Karnicki rigged his safety coffin with a crude motion detector that would open up air tubes in case he woke up and started moving around. People think about this! With your own safety coffin, you can rest assured you won't be buried alive. Heck, put in a mini fridge and Wi-Fi, you can chill there for weeks. There is a video on the internet. Of course there is, because other people, it's a valid concern. Excuse me, I haven't swallowed my water But it properly. just shows graphics of someone being buried alive. I want an actual video of someone who's tried it. An actual dead? No, because no. then they oh. Like uh, someone has been buried and they've said, all right, film me and I'll... That is a video I would watch. Anyway, Shelby on Facebook. She says that she's listening to episode 41 about the underwear this is when I asked about if dead mm-hmm. people are buried with underwear. She says, when my 30-year-old sister-in-law passed suddenly, I'm so sorry to hear, I had to help my brother choose her outfit for viewing and burial. She says it was a nightmare because of the autopsy. She had to find something with a high neck and long sleeves. Mm. Anyways, she says, I chose a bra because she hated being braless, but said specifically that should she be buried without that she should be buried without undies because she hated wearing them. I also emailed the funeral home and explained the mashup of outfits and the bra is an absolute must, but absolutely no undies. Interesting. Amazing. (laughs) I love that. Um, She said, I'm not sure what was weirder, me making these requests or that I knew that's what she would have wanted. Anyway, nice mm. things, nice things. Keep up the good work. That is unusual that you know someone else's undie on, undie mm. off preferences. I always wear odd socks. Do you? Always. Oh, see, I like matching. 100% always odd socks. I don't know why. I can't be bothered spending my life folding the socks together. Oh, so I, I just see. wear whatever, and Nico hates it. I was doing a bit of Marie Kondo, Sabakadoy. Today I was cleaning stuff out. What's wrong with that? That's how she says it. And I threw out, I I had what I used to call the sock graveyard. Oh, yes. Which was like a little container with all the the loose ones because there's four in my house and mostly my son's socks. And I just went, no, I'm never going to find the partners to these. They can go. I... Always, oh, this could be revealing too much, but I'm going to. Oh, oh now she starts to worry. Hang on, we've been in we your urine samples. We I'm could sure cut it out if you think. Have we been up your uterus yet? Probably. Well, it is about my undies. Uh, I, how did I know? They're all the same pair. What? They're all the same oh. pair. Oh, okay. Go. You so do yours. One, so are mine. So one day I cracked it that I was always going through my drawer trying to find. The good undies? Yes. Not, and they're not like good because of the way they look because I can definitely tell you they, they're they not attractive. But they're just comfortable yes. and I can wear them with anything. Cotton, breathable? Yes, yes, correct. So I cracked it. I chucked out all my undies. I did this. And now I only have the same pair of like undies. I have like 30 pairs of the same pair of oh, like undies. Oh, you've got all the and, same colour. Yeah, they're okay. all the same colour. Right. I have a couple of nudes just in case, you know, but yeah. they're all the same 
same pair. And Nicholas always, like, he calls me like I'm out of the Simpsons. He's like, oh, more black underwear because they're all the same pair and they're not attractive and they're like Bridget Jones underwear and they're high. Oh, the high ones. They're okay. High. Um, I went in New York, <laughs> Century 21, my daughter and I. It's almost like we went there specifically for this. So mm. in Century 21, it's like a discount place. And they had the best undies. I think it worked out around about $2 a pair. Sure. Just plain, yep, comfortable, comfortable, cotton underpants. Like, how cheap is that? Yeah, yeah. And we just went bananas. I I went plains and she, so hers are got prints on any yeah, of them got little pineapples plain. and shit on them and mine are all the blue colours yeah. and I think it must be 18 months since I've been there and I was just thinking this morning hmm these are just starting to lose pile. their elasticity a little yeah. bit we we truly we bought about two dozen pairs each so if I was murdered and I was found with red undies <gasps> oh, and no. matching socks yep. you'd know it wasn't me one year, my New Year's resolution was to wear matching bra and underpants mm. every day. It's really hard because you know how you go, you can get like three days, possibly yeah. more out of a bra, depending yeah. on the colour, um, but undies daily. And so you kind of, you don't want to wash yes, them all at the same time. I remember time. a murder case and it definitely wasn't in Victoria. And I'd, I'd, I'd seen it on one of those murder shows where they found a woman who'd been murdered and she was missing her bra. She just had her underwear and her boyfriend told police she always wore matching sets. So oh. whatever the... If they could find the bra. They could missing- find the bra oh. and it would be the same as the underwear. Amazing. Mm, they wouldn't be able to do that with me. I don't think, yeah, I think by about September I was so jack of it. Mm. But it became a thing, like I'd said it. I'd said that I was going to do it on air and so like it was the thing I had to do. Very tiring and expensive too. Okay, well, once again I've shared more than I thought I was going to share on this podcast. You certainly have, Chanel. Thank you. Uh, Have you ever seen a dead body? If you have, we'd love to hear from you, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.